91 brought to you by and we're going to be talking all about this Daytona 500 weekend from Wednesday to Saturday all the cup action all the supporting race action and of course we'll get into splash and dash but first let's welcome myself back and the show back because uh we took last week off for qualifying and uh i'm also joined by colton cramwell what's up colton how's it going going good let me turn this music down before we have to yell over each other so uh we mentioned before we got on the show that it was really cold where you are how is winter going in wyoming it fucking sucked. Uh, just like every year. This is nothing new. We just like to bitch about it. Um, I was. I tell people at work that that every NASCAR fan in the world should move to Wyoming just because we all love to bitch so much. Um, it'd be a perfect fit. You just have nonstop bitching all year round. Either you're bitching about racing or the cold. Um, it is currently five below here. Uh, wind chill of negative 22, and that was our high for the day. Um, it'll be... 15 below in the morning when I get up with wind chills somewhere around 35 to 40 below. Um, not having fun. Damn. Um, we had an unseasonably warm day today. We got over 85, um, which is about 20 degrees hotter than it should have been for this time in February. So um, I'm I'm not looking forward to whenever that winter weather finally comes back because every time we get a fall spring like this, we get hammered with snow and ice uh, a couple weeks later. So – Hopefully that'll keep off until late March yeah. um, or something. I don't know, but uh, I don't want to deal with that because unlike you guys, we are definitely ill prepared. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't yeah. want to deal with it. Well, y'all might get a false spring, but we don't get we get like seven false springs. Like, well, I'll, we it was fifty one degrees on Tuesday, which is beautiful for here, and then it's it's freezing, and it'll heat back up, and it'll freeze again. And cycle continues usually through Mother's Day. Um, fun fact, when I graduated high school, you know, seniors get out a little bit early. Um, my first day of summer vacation after I graduated high school, my brothers had a snow day. Damn. Yeah. Talk about a kick in the nuts. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't know how you guys do it. I, I, I genuinely don't know when it comes to like, you know, big sky country all the way down to you guys, like all that frontier land area kind of deal mm-hmm. how anyone fucking lives there like i don't it doesn't seem pleasant at all i don't know why you yeah. want to it's uh, very I, mean, I know you don't want to uh, right. i know you're ready to move but like why does anybody stay there i don't get it i don't get it um drugs but anyways do you say drugs mostly drugs mostly yeah well um all right well, that <laughs> took a turn that i didn't think it was gonna go to uh, so tonight we're missing Nathan Ball and Keith Merrick, who um, we're supposed to be on. Maybe uh, Keith might show up a little bit later. So uh, we had a whole skit planned out for tonight, uh, but that is not going to happen. And for some reason, my dog won't stop barking. Dope. So let me go rectify that really quick. Well, um, I don't know. I'll just bullshit about it. I'll probably just bitch about Wyoming, honestly, because I, I do not like it here. I would love more than anything in my life to move out of here and go somewhere warm, say Georgia where Alex is or Florida where Nate is. Um, I would much rather deal with hurricanes and lightning and snakes and spiders and all the shit that comes along with it. So if any of you on here are thinking about moving to anywhere in the front range from, I would say, Colorado Springs up north to the Canadian border, 
Do not fucking do it. It is cold. It is windy as goddamn hell for no reason. Um, it We have nine months of winter, um, maybe a few days of spring, and then it'll just be summer where it just hails all the fucking time. Um, that is another thing about here is we get an abnormal amount of hail just because of how high up we are in the elevation. Um, so the, the shit freezes as soon as a low front comes through. So it's not snowing. It's fucking hailing. Um, it is it is not a good place to be. There is nothing out here except for rodeos um, and tumbleweeds. Um, I tell I actually when I worked in sales, I used to tell people that there was a pretty girl behind every tree in Cheyenne. Um, we've got like nine trees. Okay, so so do with that info what you will. Um, yeah, it's that's fine. <laughs> okay, so sorry about that. Um, Myra went outside in the front where the dogs could see her. And is taking pictures of the moon and whatever two planets are out right now. So, hmm. um, yeah, and she probably has no idea that they're barking during the show. So, <laughs> yay. So, uh, I got them in here now. So, if you hear anything else, it's, it's just them. So, I apologize for that, everybody that's watching. You can hear one of the little ones chuffing right now. So, <laughs> anyways... Now that we're still going to probably get rudely interrupted, um, Splash and Dash. Um, <laughs> let's move on to our first segment. All right, so Supercross uh, has had two races since we last saw you guys. Two weeks ago, round six in Tampa happened. It was massively wet, seeing uh, an uncommon bad night from Eli Tomac. Having him finish six while two-time champ uh, Cooper Webb took his first win of the season. Yeah, round two in Oakland finally happened after rescheduling from the bomb cyclones in January. Tomac uh, turned back to form or to four man for a second straight week. Chase Sexton wrecked out of the lead. Top three in points um, after this was Tomac, Sexton, Webb, and they are only separated by four points. Yeah, so that championship's heating up. And what else is heating up? It's uh, the thunder from down under. Uh, Australia's V8 supercars, Gen 3 cars are now on track. This week at Sydney Motorsports Park, they're doing preseason testing. The first time that teams have had their cars on track altogether. Uh, they do have more power this year, but they have less downforce and a lot more drag due to the new road-style bodies, kind of like the Gen 7 NASCARs have. Uh, but they are one and a half to two seconds slower around Sydney Motorsports Park overall. However, drivers are loving the fact that these cars are way more difficult to drive than the previous generation. So we should be seeing some really good side-by-side racing come uh, yeah. come March. Speaking of good racing, Formula One teams all have their liveries out now, um, and a lot of fans noted the Ferrari, the brand-new black and red Alfa Romero, um, and the black arrow return with Mercedes as their top three. A lot of fans really like those ones. Yeah, and so we're, we've got preseason testing coming with, with them uh, here shortly too. So Racing season is not quite all fully back in session, but it, it, it's mostly back in session. So that's Flash and Dash uh, from around the world of motorsports. Uh, and the rest of the show is all about Daytona. So um, first and foremost, let's just make a little bit of note about the ARCA race because uh, neither Colton or I really paid too much attention to it because I was asleep because um, yay working nights. But uh, Greg Van Alst. Uh, gave the fans to root, uh, someone to root for. Uh, I guess a blue collar guy. He, he went out there, got the win. Very small team. I think he only runs a couple races uh, a year. If he doesn't, just tell me I'm wrong in the comments. Uh, 
And then uh, apparently Ark is good again, according to Keith. So if he shows up, we'll do we'll do that. And then <laughs> we'll Frank, him for it. Yeah. yeah. And then Frankie Muniz, um, Malcolm in the middle, and Cody Banks, uh, Agent Cody Banks, did the race this weekend. So I will say that all offseason, from the moment that Frankie was announced, I was kind of shitting on him. I'm not going to lie. I, I said – you know, he's just he's just going to feel the field. He's going to get butts and seats. You know, he's just out there as a name. You know, I didn't – he didn't strike me as an actual racer, right? He just kind of struck me as a celebrity that likes to drive race cars. Um, Frankie did fucking good. He really – he really impressed me. Did um, you know that he was in the lights program for IndyCar? Yes. And he won, I think, three Indy Lights races. And he had, prior to the reunification in 2008 – or maybe it was 2010. I can't remember. Um, but something else happened. Somehow he had a ride go through, but he was going to have a full-time IndyCar ride in either 2008 or 2010. Yeah. So I didn't know that, but I know he had a pretty extensive open wheel career from the you know mid aughts to the mid teens. Um, and then kind of jumped into late models from there. Um, but he really did impress me. He was making a lot of smart moves. He wasn't doing the typical reckless ARCA driving Um you know, he was he was holding his lanes really well, managing the draft. Um, he did get damaged from uh, one of the wrecks that happened super late in the race. He restarted like, ah, shit, I want to say like 25th with only a couple laps to go and worked his way up to 11th. Um, Frankie did really good. Like, I would not be surprised to see a truck or Xfinity team throw him in their car for a couple races. Honestly. Well, I mean, I mean, we saw we saw celebrities um, in – in the race this this weekend in the 500 and uh they did pretty damn good so um right who's not gonna throw mo- sponsorship money at someone who is a big tv uh star so um i mean hey might as well i mean i'd like to see it i mean why not he's only 36 so um technically his prime has not even happened yet when it comes to to race car drivers so I mean, hell, let him learn, let him see what he what does, and, and we can see – I could see him being a Danica level or, or even better driver uh, in Xfinity and Cup. So, mm-hmm. fuck it. Let, let's see it. I mean, Ty yep. Dillon is still on the on the, on the the list. Let's, let's <laughs> right. He's still getting seven. rides. What are you going to do? You're going to have Ty Dillon with no money or Frankie Muniz with money getting the same results. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that was my only takeaway was Frankie – Frankie did a bang up job. I thought he he killed it out there. Um, it, there was a little while he looked like he was gonna get that fucking win, um, and not just by sheer happenstance, like race his way in. So I would I am really excited for Frankie Muniz. Yeah, and he's running full time this year, so we'll have to see what he does at a quote real racetrack. Uh, <laughs> right, Kyle, Kyle Busch. Um, Craftsman's back. Um, so we saw a truck series opener on Friday night. Craftsman is back. What do you got to say about that? Um, it is, it's cool to see Craftsman come back in, um, and kind of rejuvenate the sport. It, it, it really feels like the truck series has got a little bit of new life breathed into it. Again, we'll have to see how that goes once they start hitting, um, the typical shit show tracks from the truck series. Um, but I, I enjoyed seeing the red banners, um, seeing Craftsman all over the goddamn place here in, uh, NASCAR Craftsman truck series again. Um, Super cool, super nostalgic. Now we just need to bring Winston back. Winston and Bush, and we'll be set. Well, we can't bring Winston back, sadly. But No, but maybe, um, maybe someone can start another brand that isn't cigarettes. And just call it Winston's. And call just it Winston, a, yeah. 
Winston's Cup Series, something like that. Yeah. I mean, we could do that. I mean, you know, start a clothing line or something like sportswear yeah. or something. like. I mean, we could fine. do something like just rebrand champion to Winston. Um, there we go. And uh, call it a day. Yeah, I'm with you. The red banners on the trucks were really, really cool. Um, that was really cool. Classic name comes back. The guys that's been calling Camping World and Gander um, Craftsman Truck Series uh, for the 10 years that it wasn't, uh, well, you know, hey, you're right again. So congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought the race was the best of the weekend when it comes to actual racing. Um, when they did go green, the trucks put on a better show than cup and especially Xfinity as far as being able to pass and maneuverability and stuff like that. I don't know if it's because no one knows exactly what to do. They only get to race on those tracks, what, three times a year now. Um, and of course you've got Matt Crafton and the rest of the field is just youngsters other than, you know, Ben Rhodes. Um, so I don't know if it was from that, but it just seemed to me that that race was more racy than any of these uh, other races that we saw this weekend. Um, how did you feel um, with some of the movement around the garage? Uh, we'll start first with Haley Deegan. Um, she's she's moved um, to from the number one car to what was her car number? I don't even remember. Uh, I think it was 13 because she's driving for uh, Thor Sport now. Or Thor Sport, yes. Um Eh, to me, Haley is rapidly losing relevancy. Um, if she wasn't 20 years old, um, I don't think she'd have near as many eyes on her as she does. Um, she's She just hasn't had the results that I've expected her to have after a couple of years. We'll have to see how this season plays out with it, um, being that she's in decent equipment now, um, you know, and has kind of, kind of dug her heels into the truck series, but I don't know. I, I'm I'm really iffy about Haley. So new ride. We'll see how it does. Anybody that you were particularly paying attention to on Friday night? Uh, yeah, fucking a Roger Carruth. A uh, duh. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, our guy. <laughs> yeah. So it was cool to see Roger run, and he was running pretty well. Um, got taken out really by his own doing. Um, but that's just part of it. Like I texted you guys on Friday night. Like, you're only gonna learn to make those mistakes or not to make those mistakes by making those mistakes. And what a better right. place to do it than the truck series. When you've got a full-time ride, um, go ahead and wad one up, you know, lesson learned. Yeah. Well, okay. So he was doing really good. He came from the back. He was at third in line. So probably sixth or seventh. Um, when he made that move, he had the run. He had to take it. Those were big runs all night. We saw him. Um, I think it was good. Zane Smith spotter. I feel like is the reason that that wreck happened. Because I don't feel like Raja made a move too late. I do feel like Zane made a move too late, but I don't feel like it was either of their faults. I think the fact that Zane Smith's spotter wasn't on the comm saying, you got one coming low, a half a second earlier than he probably did, we wouldn't have had that crash. And they would have been three wide and everything would have been fine. But you can't change anything. It's all in the past now. I was really excited because, you know, he, he stood out on a track that he's never raced before, um, or a truck, I should say, that he's never raced before. He's done ARCA at Talladega. He's done ARCA at Daytona. But these races are so much different and so much mm -hmm. um, more volatile because of how that truck is just a block, and it just makes a pocket of air that just slingshots you around other guys. So I was really proud of the effort. Um, 
But uh, moving on to uh, other people, um, how about Matt Crafton? I mean, he's he was a grumpy little ass like <laughs> Friday night. Like, yeah, he's, he's, he, is he, he just is he just geezing out there? Is that what it is? He might be. I mean, he could also just be like old man yelling at cloud. You know, um, these damn new kids don't know how to race. Which to some degree, he those those quotes are correct. Right. Um, but also. You're a fucking life series truck truck driver. Like, let's let's be honest with ourselves here. Like, if you wanted to go up and race Bush or Cup, you could have done it years ago. Um, but he stayed in trucks, and this is I don't know. I don't I don't feel bad for Matt Crafton. I feel like he's another one that's drastically losing relevancy, um, just because he's been around forever and hasn't really done anything in a few years. Granted, he won a, the championship a couple years ago without any wins, so asterisk. Um, meh. I mean, he's a two-time truck champion, so he had those really good three. years for for a. Is it three time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. I mean, yeah, he was great when I was, you know, in elementary, middle, and for the most part, high school. Yeah. Um, well, it took him forever to show up, so I think that which right. is, you know, those five or six years of of greatness, he's back to just being kind of a field filler, um, yeah. kind of like Johnny Sauter the last couple of years before he retired finally. Yeah. Like I mean, he was just there every week and honestly getting in the way of everybody. So I wouldn't right. put I wouldn't put the eighty eight as getting in the way territory, but he's he's definitely there. Yeah, um, he's he's on the way. Yeah, he's sunsetting for sure. Um, kind of kind of like I feel like Justin Allgaier is in the same position. Those two guys, <sighs> see, those two guys are kind of shifting towards the end of their careers. I, I, I so. Allgaier, yeah, he's shifting towards the end, but I don't feel like he's sunsetting, man. I feel like he's he's just starting to get going. See, well, we can talk about that when we get to the Xfinity Series. Um, but, yeah, I thought the truck race was really good. Uh, Willie, uh, I don't know why I'm having speech problems right now. Really good. Time. But, um, I mean, it just got stopped and started so much because of rain, and I feel like that really was a detriment to what we could have seen. Um, and on that note, it was – it was the first Daytona truck race to be ended by rain uh, season opener or, or not. So, um, I mean, what did you think about that? Did you think we got the right bang for our buck uh, seeing mm-hmm. as we did have the rain? No. Um, a lot of that race was run under caution laps, just trying to trying to wait out the rain um, and trying to keep from losing the track. Um, obviously, without the rain, even – even if it doesn't go full distance, if it doesn't rain that first, I don't remember, 50, 60 laps, um, mm-hmm. we would have seen a lot better racing. I feel like we would have seen guys really start to try out different strategies. Um, but it just kind of felt like a kick in the nuts because it was like every 10 laps we were stopping for some reason yeah. or another. Um, the racing that we got was fantastic. I just, damn it, I wanted to see more. Which, and there's, yeah. there's nothing we can do. Yeah, I mean we can't fight we can't fight the rain until we get to flat tracks this year apparently. So, um, yeah, I thought that we got what we were gonna get for the rain shortened race. It was actually a little bit better than I thought that the race was gonna be. I thought there was gonna be a lot more carnage than there was um, during the green flag racing. I was satisfied with what I got. Um, my biggest issue was why did they not call it and try to go racing that last time? Key. We were at 1030 on the East Coast, I believe, mm-hmm. and they could have called it there because nothing changed after we tried the, right. the you know the second time. So that was my only gripe with the win or with the uh with the finish. Um with the win though, uh Zane Smith two years in a row. What do we think about that? 
He's getting it done. <laughs> kind of Mickey Mouse his way into that one is a. I think it was Hosovar said it, or yeah, yeah, was was it? I think it's Hosovar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, it's rain. Right. Um, I that- I am not a person that dissipates any single rain race because it's just it's not worth it. Chris right. Buescher, Justin Haley, no rain race like you were there when it was meant to happen. So. Right. That is what it is. So, well, that's about it for the truck series. I'm looking forward to the rest of the year only because Roger's in it. Um, if they turn around their shit show activities, we might see what's going on <laughs> with uh, with how I feel next year if if Roger moves up to the Xfinity series, which I hope for. Um, other than that, speaking of Xfinity, Xfinity on Saturday followed the ARCA race. Uh, we, I don't think we had any threat of rain or anything on on Saturday, oh, really? um, so we got a good clean race in. Uh, what did you think about the Xfinity race overall? I thought it was good. Um, kind of hard to pass, um, but I don't know if that was just the package. It's Xfinity, of, man. A lot of Xfinity guys. Xfinity plate races are ass, dude. I mean, it wasn't horrible. Um, Austin Hill was a – I mean, he's he's developing into one of the best plate racers in all of NASCAR. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just – Hands down, I think it's really hard to argue at this point. And he's not even made a cup start yet. So he, he definitely wanted to keep an eye on. I thought it was a good race. Um, towards the end, the JRM car splitting apart. I thought that was fantastic. I saw a lot of people bitching about it on Twitter. They should have stuck together and waited till two to go or one to go. Um, I thought it was perfect. Go get your bread. Like, fuck it. Let's race. Yeah, I will say this. Um uh, I don't know if it was in our group chat or another group chat or somewhere else, but a lot of people were on Twitter saying how, you know, Josh Berry's a terrible uh, driver when it comes to speedways and all this other stuff. That dude showed the fuck out in that Bass Pro Shops 8 car. I mean, he made some of the biggest moves of the race, uh, made that race exciting for me. So I got to give him a pat on the back. And then, like you said, Austin Hill, he's just he's just the man at the moment uh, when it comes to these plate tracks. So, I mean – it was a generic race for me. I, I thoroughly haven't 100% enjoyed a race at the Xfinity level since probably 2014 when it comes to these speedway races. Because once they took the dog ear package off, maybe it was 2016, whenever it was, um, the runs aren't there. Um, the handling is not bad enough yet. Um, and, and it's just, I don't know. I'm not a. I don't like plate racing though. So that's just yeah an issue from my my hand. Should have dominated the last two years. Okay, let me look up his stats because Justin has won a ton of fucking races the last two years, even with all them gone. Um, the championship, eh, um, right? Because there's a lot of luck involved with the championship. Yeah. Um, but I think Justin's really been showing out. Um, and granted, like you said, he's kind of getting older. Um, he's a lifetime Xfinity guy. We all know that. Absolutely. He's he's this era's Elliot Sadler. Um, good enough to get several wins. Good enough to. Be I think he's a little bit better than Elliot Sadler. I think he's a little honest. bit better. Yeah, good enough to fight for the top of points. Not good enough to probably win a championship. Um, not enough pieces have fallen in the right place. Um, he'll get back into full form once we start swinging into these mile and a halves. I can agree with that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna roll back my tongue for what I said because I just looked up his age. He's only 36 years old, mm-hmm. um, so he might be in a slump just like Kyle Busch is right now, who's also 36, uh, or I think 
Kyle's 37 now, but um, he might be in his mid 30s slump, but come here in a couple years, uh, I've, both of them are going to be 100% dominant. So uh, get ready for, for that. Um, I'll, I'll totally tell you, or I'll totally take the being wrong on that one. Uh, so, yeah. And who's to say with, with Gibbs gone this year that Justin doesn't rattle off nine wins? Yeah, and that's something that we have to see. I mean, he's got to deal with Austin Hill. He's got to deal with Joni, uh, uh, John Hunter Nemechek, my bad. Um, and then who else does he have to deal with? Cole Custer. Uh, Cole Custer, yeah, he is back. Um, what, Joe Graff Jr. is going to be in a JGR car a couple times. Brandon Brandon Jones might have found a good a good place to go. Uh, and then, of course, his, his, teammate, his teammate Josh Berry. Like that's that's it, really. I mean, when I look at the when I look at the whole thing, unless Sam Mayer uh, comes into fruition, unless um, you know Brett Moffitt comes back to form, Sheldon Creed actually does good. I don't see him having that much competition. This could be a, a Justin Allgaier year. So I'll roll back everything I said at the first part of the show. <laughs> uh, I'm an idiot. You can just tell me that. Yeah, let's. Um, let's- Let's talk about Custer real quick because him moving down to the Xfinity, we we all said it was kind of going to be a good move for him. You know, it's better to win races um, than it is to roll around 25th in a higher division. Um, I want to see because Cole Custer is known for fighting, um, right? He got into wrestling matches with Tyler Reddick all the fucking time. Um, I want to see him get into another fight with John Hunter. I want, you know, Canadian Tire or Canadian Motorsports Park, whatever the fuck that track's name was, I want to see round two. I want to see someone body slam someone on the front stretch again. And Cole Custer is that guy. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. All right, so I want to talk about John Hunter Nemechek in the Xfinity Series last year. Or, yeah, last year. Um, So he didn't race every race. He raced for Sam Hunt and Joe Gibbs Racing. Um, he got a 12th, a 5th, a 2nd, a 4th, an 18th, a 19th, uh, and a 9th. And then the other races were DNFs. So going down to a lower series does not necessarily mean, um, that you're going to go out there and win. Um, you can get off some good finishes and whatever. And of course, um, how many races did he win in the truck series? Two. Uh, and he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight top fives. So John Hunter Nemechek did the same thing last year, um, racing some Xfinity and full-time in trucks, and he didn't show us anything, in my opinion. Um, so this could be very dangerous for the future of Cole Custer's career, um, and I don't know that he's going to rattle off nine wins like he did that one year um, with him in the big three. So that's what I'm scared about just for his career. Uh, but he's not a good cup driver. So, I mean, maybe he's the next yeah. lifer. Um, Riley Herps uh, has got to be sweating bullets because he is clearly way worse than Cole Custer. Right. Cole Custer's not really that good. So um, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm Riley Herps and I don't <laughs> rattle off at least two or three wins this year, um, I'm really looking over my shoulder at – you know, and probably looking at other teams as far as a ride, because I don't see Stewart keeping him around for much longer. Um, you know, he's bringing, they got monster on board. I don't know yeah. how much of that is Riley. Um, Cause we're not seeing terrible Herbs paint schemes out there. Um, 
he they've got money. He's got plenty of money to go race a Sam Hunt car. You know. Yeah. Um, at this so point, he might be he might be good to move down to the truck series. Honestly, get, he might be good to just go race fucking late models at the bull ring. Honestly, <laughs> like I mean, I've never been a fan of that dude. Well, you know, I I can agree with that, but I mean, when you bring money, you're going to stay in the sport. So I'd rather see him, you know, running the truck series and be one last guy we have to worry about destroying fields, um, than just right. be a field filler for SHR. Uh, because that that organization is not one that that I'm I like to see do bad because Tony Stewart. So, um, but anyways, I mean, other than that, Cole Custer versus Austin Hill. Look, there's like three guys in all of NASCAR that I wouldn't get in a fight with, and I think Austin Hill is two of them. Yeah. So, man, I wish I could remember what the fuck I said on Saturday. Like he- He's a big boy. I big said, boy. "Oh, I remember they showed the tomahawks on the on the TV screen, and I and uh, Austin Hill was in fifteenth at that point. And I looked, uh, I looked over at Myra because it was before I went to work, and I was like, um, you see that trophy right there? I said, big boy gonna go get his meat.' <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And sure enough, he drove to the front. Yeah, he probably yeah. ate three of them for dinner by himself." Yeah, probably, dude. Yeah, um, he's. I really want to be him. Dude. He look. He looks like a really good dude, and I think. I think that he would be really fun to hang out with. Um, but I wouldn't want to fuck with him because he. Yeah. He I he mean, looks like. He looks like that country dude that'll give you a shirt off his back, but if you fuck with him, uh, yeah, he's taking he, the shirt he's, off yours. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he's good at digging holes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and well, you're scared of tall people, so I don't know if you'd like Austin that much. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah he's you know. he's pretty big. Yeah, I, I I warm up to people, but I I stay away from tall people more often <laughs> than the normal sized humans. Um, but I I could warm up to him. Yeah, I'm not uh, all that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but yeah, uh, I think Austin Hill wins that on track and off. Not not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, I'm looking for good things from him. Um, he's a Georgia boy, so um, I'm glad I have another one of those to pull for uh, since um, we don't talk about Chase anymore. Um, Myatt Snyder also isn't racing in Xfinity again until Portland. Wow. He went from a full-time ride to that. So Jordan Anderson is getting money from somebody to put Jeb Burton in a car, and then – Parker Retzkaff, is he running full time in the thirty one, or is that going to be split with Jordan? I, I mean, it might be split with Jordan, but if I'm now, if Jordan Anderson, if you ever watch this, Parker Retzlaff is the real goddamn deal. Like I yeah. would, if I'm Jordan, I'm stepping away this year. I'll go race the truck. Let Parker develop. Let him do his thing because he was lights out in that Ryan Seed car last year. Yes, um, he was. He and this kid is young. He is good. I feel like. In my honest opinion, him and Sammy Smith are going to be two of the top absolute dogs here in the next 10 So, years. Parker reminds me of the Joey Logano and Jimmy Johnson-style race car driver. Not from the aggression part, but from how sophisticated and prepared that they are. Like, he right. looks like a guy that knows his fucking data. Uh, he looks like a guy that just – gets that shit in his head and puts it on the tires come race time. 
And right. I may be way off, but he looks like he prepared. He he just has that that aura for me around him that he is he is a very studious race car driver, and that yeah. wins you championships. So I can agree with that. Um, yeah. And and that car's been good. I mean, you see Tyler Reddick get behind the wheel a couple of times uh, in the last couple of years. Yeah. Almost willing them to wins. Um, Jordan himself getting behind the wheel doing top ten runs. I mean, that car is not bad. Jordan is doing right. what Jordan is good at and that's managing a race team. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to that. Is there any other seat swaps that uh, we needed to, to talk about um, or, or from the race? Um, I mean, Brandon Jones kind of, um, I think we've already kind of discussed that one enough though in the past Yeah, of kind of getting out of grandpa's shadow, right? Joe grandpa being Joe Gibbs um, and moving into a place where he can kind of dig some roots. And, you know, we know junior is patient as a car owner, he yep. will stick with a guy for several years, even if it's not really working out. Um, so I think he's he's probably in the best spot he's ever been in as a race car driver. Yeah, um, we'll we'll see within the next two seasons whether or not he's going to be a a truly good or just an average race car driver. I bet. Yeah, because the culture at Junior Motorsports is a lot more calm and a lot more. Um, it's a lot more talk it over. Yeah, yeah, and it's not and it's not just hostile, which seems to be the predicament that Gibbs puts all his drivers in. Yeah, um, as long as the check's clear, he's good. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got Menards. Menards doesn't shy from their drivers. They've been on the 88 uh, with with uh, Matt Crafton since yeah. 2003 um, yeah. in his push series um, starts. Um, so there, there, there's no way that check won't ever clear unless Menards just – um, all their like 1300 locations just spontaneously combust. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then I'm uh, sure they'll get insurance money and tuck and run. Jeffrey Earnhardt and Parker Kligerman had some beef and Jeffrey was not shying away from it at all. That- I, he's got an Earnhardt last name. He has done UFC fighting. I would not fuck with him. Um, uh, just based yeah. on that, but I'm always going to start side with Parker Kligerman because I like him. <laughs> Well, so <laughs> the so Parker Spotter did clear him, right? Yeah. And that's what ended up in the whole thing. But I thought it was absolutely ballsy of Jeff to walk over to Parker's holler after the race and walk Parker over to his car to look at the damage and say, no, 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 come here. Come look at this. That's an Earnhardt move. Yeah. That is some old school shit right there. Yeah. Well, like I said, I wouldn't fuck with the guy, but. Um... Right. Um, he also did an interview where he said he – you know, Parker's coming out of the infield care center. Like, he's probably going to have to come out of there again when I'm done with him. Yeah, like, Jeff yeah. is not going to back off of this. Yeah. And are, is, are they both running full-time this year? I don't know if Parker is. Actually, to be honest, I don't know if either of them. I wouldn't be surprised if Jeffrey is. Um, yeah. Just because well, he, needs I, that. he needs that shot. He's, he's, a, he's a good driver. He brings the home car, the car home clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, he's had Cup Series starts and all that good stuff. I think he's he's a he's a good guy to have for a a, a field filler um, who can probably yeah. win a race or two in the right uh, circumstance. So I'd like to see him. PK is I've always been on his his team. I think Swan Racing was the reason that he's not a Cup Series driver right now. Um, it folding really fucked over his whole entire career path. He's got Cup Series talent. I know he's old now, but yeah. Uh, uh, that was Jeb. And it was uh, uh, talking to Noah Gregson. 
And then Jeb never touched Noah or even got close to him all year after yeah. that. So um, in the if you had to pick Jeffrey Earnhardt or Jeb Burton, who are you putting in your car for a season? Because Jeb's a little flashier. He might get you a couple more wins. I think so Jeb, Jeb I think if if I can get a stable Jeb Burton um who's moves back to North Carolina and gets the fuck out of Virginia, comes to the shop every day. I take him all the time. But seeing as I could probably get a more dedicated Jeffrey Earnhardt, even though he's not going to get me as good of results, I think I'd keep him currently. Um, if we're talking about, like I said, if we're talking about Jeb committing himself and moving back to Charlotte, and I'll take him. But right now yeah. it's, it's Jeffrey. Yeah, if there's a way to settle Jeff down and kind of level him out, or Jeb. Um, yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat. I'd probably take Jeff. I don't think the way that his dad raced and just went back home is is a is a modern NASCAR thing. No. So I don't think Not he can possible. follow in his dad's footsteps by yeah. doing that. So, but hey, that is uh, that is what it is. So we want to talk about Daytona 500 Cup stuff. Uh, we can start with uh, Monday and Tuesday. Um, nothing happened Monday and Tuesday. Uh, where the fuck was first practice? Uh, Friday. Hmm? Friday. That's where first Friday. practice was. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. What the fuck was that? Did teams even go out Saturday? I was asleep, so I, I, I yes. didn't know. Early so Saturday. How many, how many people went out on track on Saturday? Uh... Because I know there were a bunch of teams that were saying they weren't. Like, like yeah. I remember Bubba saying that they weren't going to do anything because they found what they had found. I'm probably assuming that Denny went out with a 67 um, mm -hmm. for practice just to get Travis more time in the draft. And then some of the smaller teams that were really bad on Thursday. That's the only thing I could see that would have would have done it. Why? Denny Hamlin on his new podcast said this too. If we're going to have two practice sessions, why the fuck weren't they before the duels and qualifying? For me, uh, Drew Mason says there were less than 20 on track yeah, it was, uh, on Saturday. It was, Who the man. fuck cares about that? I don't understand. Monday night, we get the Daytona 500 uh, pictures, and we send guys out for single-car qualifying runs, give them four runs. That way Chandler Smith and Connor Daly don't have to deal with the problems that they dealt with. Tuesday night, let's fucking qualify them. Wednesday night, let's have dual practice because we want prime time every night until we get to the 500. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. And then no more practice after the duels to, to Sunday. If you want to have practice on Saturday, do it because I'm sure teams will change a lot more in one practice than two between those two days. But you already have an action pack Saturday, so you don't need it. Unless you – I mean, I, I just think one practice qualifying, one practice race – and then you're you're set for the 500. Impound the motherfuckers. I don't care. No. Or yeah. or give the give the teams two hours in the garage to make changes, but you test it in the 500. Yeah. You want you want some chaotic shit? Do it that way. I yeah. don't know. It, if we're gonna the fuck off. If we're gonna keep with the the no practice of the super speedways, at least at very at very least, run a rookie practice before qualifying. I think every car should hit the track at least once. We should. I, have, that's a we should do qualifying practice, have everybody go out there and set a time with two laps on the board, put it right back in into the garage, 
teams can change anything they need to because they know that this part broke or this part didn't do right. And then that sets up qualifying lineup and then go right back out, you know, two hours later, run qualifying and then go on Sunday. But the thing that pisses me off about not having practice in general is that I pay admission to go see cup drivers every day that I'm there if I'm camping. Secondly, how much fucking money did Big Bill's garage cost? How much money did the Daytona fan experience cost? And we're not having practice for these races? Right. What is the point of me buying a Big Bill uh, expansion to my ticket to go and not see cup teams work on the cars during practice? A BRV. I got to grab my charger. My laptop is almost dying. Yeah. Well, I'll go on this rant for whatever. Uh, uh, so, sorry for the interruptions tonight, guys. Um, obviously, we weren't as prepared as we, we thought we were. Um, but hands down, practice is what makes this stuff. I mean, we saw Connor Daly just not even get on track, basically, until the duel. That's a joke. Um, Chandler Smith's car was not working in qualifying. That's a joke. I mean – all they had to do was give these guys one or two runs on, on Monday or Tuesday to say, hey, the car is working. We've got, you know, a heat temperature cycle through everything, you know, no problem with warming up the oil, whatever, and there you go, okay? We would have found those problems for, for Connor on on those two days, and he would have been able to make a qualifier. I'm not saying that the 50 car or the 13 car – um, would have made the race via time, but they could have. And the fact that they could have, it just, it, I don't know, it sucks. And, you know, Speedway, uh, Speedweek's concept is is really dead right now. So, I mean, Drew says what he says, but also if we're going to continue with the name, we need to have action on track every night. And hell, Bring back the bash at the beach. Fuck it. Um, but other than that, you know, as a ticket holder at, at uh, Talladega, I want to see cut cars on track other than just Sunday too. So, I don't know. Fuck the teams. They make they make enough money. They can spend it. I mean, I used to spend a whole fucking week practicing. Um, two weeks, actually, for the Daytona 500. They can go out there for an hour every single weekend of practice. Um and if the networks don't want to cover it, well, fuck them too. That's why NASCAR is preparing to make a streaming service. Um, so that is what it is. Uh, qualifying. Um, are you as excited about qualifying as you used to be for the Daytona 500? No, but to be fair, I wasn't ever a huge Daytona 500 qualifying guy anyway just because of the duels. Okay. Um, but especially – the last few, so whenever they started doing just one lap for everyone, yeah. that's when I really started to fall out because it seemed like the second lap, some cars would wind it up a little bit more. Some cars, mm -hmm. most cars would get too hot and your first lap was still quicker anyway. Um, but I always missed that, that kind of mystique of, okay, well, how's your second lap going to go? Um, and it always just felt a little bit more official to me. Um, yeah. And this is just because I just don't like one lap qualifying runs. Um, but it always just felt a little more official just to know that the drivers had two chances to go out and get it. Yeah, I think the problem with me is when we look at 
the other 500. They have three days worth of qualifying. They've got carb day, they got elimination day, and they got pole day. Well, those cars go out and they do 10 mile, 10 mile runs. That's four laps. They uh, do an average of four lap speed. They 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 bump uh, they bump guys uh, uh, into the bottom the bottom nine, the top nine, and then the mid midfield. Um, the 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 guys that are in the bottom nine or worse have to qualify in on day two, and then they they see who's going to be in pole on you know day three, and it's a whole event. Daytona has the duels, right? So that takes away from the single lap qualifying. But we still need that event atmosphere for our biggest race. Um, two laps was a more official. I, I think that we should have two laps at all super speedways at all the racetracks. Period. Oh, yeah. Um, because you got to get you got to get it warmed up. Um, sometimes we go to Auto Club, we go to Old Atlanta. We go to Chicago land, and that first lap is always going to be better because they're cheese graders. But most tracks will see a faster second lap time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need that. Why the fuck if we've got two two guys locking in to the front row, two guys locking in to the Daytona 500 via time? Do we need an elimination style qualifying for this race? I'm fine. Do it at Talladega, even though it doesn't really matter. But there is no reason for us to go and re-rack the top 10 because that gave me nothing. That didn't right. do anything for me. I would have much rather seen these guys take two, two laps, talk to the drivers. For example, I watched qualifying for the 2003-500 the other day. They had 50 cars. That's 100 laps where, or 150 laps realistically with their warm-up lap mm-hmm. before they take the green. Um, it was two-and-a-half-hour show. And they talk to every single driver at some point during that show. Um, that would make qualifying way better, in my opinion. If I think we are not far out from this, I don't think it's it's out of the question that by the end of the decade, either um, either qualifying for the Daytona 500 is pretty much scrubbed, or the duels are scrubbed. I don't think they serve the same purpose anymore. Um, I don't know because I feel like we are on the precipice of having guys going home every week like we do in Xfinity and, and, and trucks because I feel like we had way more, um, I guess, I don't know, electricity last year across the board in 2022, way more excitement with the series. I think the NASCAR with, with the platform, you can go buy this car. I can go buy this car if I've got $500,000 yeah. and I can go take it to Atlanta and, and, and race the motherfucker if I make it in. I, I think for the next five years, we're going to have go or go homers at a majority which, of races. Yeah. Which isn't out of the question. Um, but my point is more so like we're locking in the front, the front two, right. As always. And then mm-hmm. we're, we're now locking in two on speed on Wednesday. But we're not. <laughs> but you are. But we're not. No, because that shit pissed me the fuck off. Right. Because... That's what I'm saying is that we're trying to lock in everything now to get rid of the, let Let's either just line the whole field up in their two duels. Winner gets the pole. Winner gets outside. Draw for your fucking well, it's always It's always been you start on the front row if you finish first or second on, on pole qualifying day. I don't mind that. My problem was we had – Fox, we had Twitter, we had Facebook, we had NBC, whatever. Jimmy Johnson 
Travis Pastrana were locked in the show based on speed, but they fucking weren't. And we've got to fix this shit because it pisses me off. Either they are or they aren't. You can't tell me that they're only locked in on speed if they don't race their way in. That doesn't make any right. fucking sense. Because you know what pisses me off? If Connor Daly doesn't have to uh, or doesn't have problems, Austin Hill doesn't have problems, but he finishes in front of Austin Hill and Jimmy Johnson still finishes in sixth in that race, guess fucking what? He doesn't make the show because Jimmy Johnson raced his way in, even though he was locked in on time. No, I, right. if we're going to lock guys in, lock them in on Wednesday. They are in the show. No matter where they you know, finish on Wednesday, they start They start the show. However, of the two drivers that did not make it, if Connor Daly finishes in front of Austin Hill in duel number one, no matter where Jimmy Johnson is, he goes. If right. Austin Hill finishes in front of him, that's whatever. Just because right. Austin Hill had a better qualifying doesn't mean fucking shit. You know, I, that 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 yeah. shit viscerally pisses me off. They yeah. do it every single fucking year. The same reason why um, I think it was Dan when Daniel Suarez missed the fucking show because he wasn't locked in on time because somebody else finished ahead of the guy that was locked in on locked in on time. Right. Even though, uh, yeah, and it was, it's always confusing. Why are we confusing the fans more? We have the worst fucking point system in the history of sports to try and explain to new people. Now we're doing this right. shit. Fuck y'all. Fuck NASCAR. Fucking do shit that makes sense. Yeah. Right, that's my right. rant for tonight. Or either lock them in on time, no matter where they finish, or don't lock anyone in on Wednesday. Lock the front two. Everyone else race for it. Right. Right. Sorry, guys, you're in anyway. Um, If Jimmy Johnson wrecks out lap two, Tough shit, Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, 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 and I, I, I agree with that too. It's just do one or the other. Don't yeah. fucking don't fucking do a hybrid system that doesn't make any sense. Me Speaking as an avid NASCAR sport. fan, I always get shit fucking confused on Daytona 500 yeah. qualifying. It is, it isn't a good look when I'm explaining to new fans what a rule is, and I have to Google the goddamn rule. Right, right. As a fan who's watched this every day of my life. To have to Google the goddamn rule and find the verbiage on it is not a good look. Yeah, absolutely. Football had it with no. the tip rule. They got rid of it. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I'd be fine. Austin Hill. <laughs> he would have got fucking pulled. <laughs> yep. yep. I guarantee you. Oh, man. Brian Newman's coming out of retirement. Yeah, um, and same with Smoke. He's making yeah. the 500 now. Hell yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. Uh, I know Drew, you're um, you're sitting there saying that um, all this stuff doesn't matter, but to me it does. I mean, to a lot of fans, it it's, it does, and we want to see a good show every night of the week. Practice matters. I remember last year when they got on the track for the first time with the next gen cars um, before qualifying. Um, I was fucking ecstatic. You know, we weren't going to see anything. We weren't going to see anything spectacular. But I got to see cars on track. I got to use my brain as a fucking lifelong NASCAR fan, mm -hmm. see what I was going to see, be excited, start my calculations in my head of what's going to work, what's not going to work, who's going to be fast, whatever. And I miss that because we don't get that any week now because we just get one or two runs from guys. Give me a 55-minute practice every weekend, then give me qualifying with two laps. Don't do, the, don't do the elimination shit unless you just want to. But if you do that, fucking pay points for qualifying. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. make them 
you if you make round two, you got to start on your qualifying tires, but you get points. You know, yeah. something crazy like that. Make it make it worth my while. I want to give a shit. Yeah. Um, line them up slowest to fastest, slowest to fastest in practice, and that's my show. Yeah. Even if they just get one point to the pole sitter, I'd be fine with that. Um. So, well, I mean. We can talk about that in a little bit, um, the comment that we just got. But let's talk about um, breakthrough drivers on Sunday. Um, not mentioning the winner, obviously. But but guys that surprised you either way, um, they broke through and did really good or they had a, a, a bus, uh, essentially. I mean, what, which guys did you see on Sunday that finished where you didn't expect them to? Uh. Jimmy Johnson ran really, really well. Yeah. Um, and then same with Travis Pastrana. And I will say, I heard him say on DBC, um, I think it was Brett Griffin that said it, had Travis Pastrana won the Daytona 500, it would have invalidated pretty much all of fucking NASCAR, um, which I agree with. Having him go in and just win the biggest race of the year would have been horrible for the sport. The PR fucking nightmare um, to show that you can just hop in these cars and race them. But – Damn, he ran good. I really, really want to see Travis Pastrana run a couple more races this year. Dude, I want to see him go full-time. Fuck it, Danny. Put a yeah. third car in there. Like, I know he doesn't want to because he doesn't think that he's as good as these guys. Um, but, I mean, he had really good outings in a fucking Michael Waltrip racing car um, yeah. in the Bush series. Um, or I guess it was Nationwide at the time. But that dude is a wheel man and anything that you put him in. And I am not going to say that that he would do very well in a full season point standings. But as he stands right now, he's in the playoffs. And I think that that would go for him through, through the rest of the regular season. I think that he would be a, he would be his himself would be pointed in as one of the 16. Cause I don't, I don't think we're getting 16 winners. I think he, he would be safe bet um, to be in that. I think this car suits his style. Um, obviously if he can run on, on the big track, that is what it is. Um, but I do have to ask you about, um, what he said post-race that the trucks were, uh, were more difficult. Um, do you think that is because the cars were easier to drive or the driving in the truck series was more chaotic? Probably both because the trucks, they behave way different than anything else does in the super speedways. Right. Um, like you said, they're a brick. They punch massive holes in the air. The runs generate so much quicker in a truck. You have to react a little bit quicker to it. You have to know what you're going to do. Um, I think it also ties into the guys in the trucks. They're not going to lift like a cup guy would. You know, right. if, if someone behind you has a run and they're going to get on your bumper, guess what? You're going into turn three. Like, you better make it. Um, so, I mean, that's part of it. Um, the inexperience in the trucks, I think, is a not a lot more to do with it too. Guys are way more aggressive in the trucks as opposed to the cup where it's more conservative. Hold your line. Um, there's a bunch of factors. I don't think, I think if you put them in the truck in a cup car at like Las Vegas, I don't think those comments are the same. Right. Well, I mean, he's, he, he's driven trucks for Nice at Las Vegas specifically. Uh, so, um, I, I don't know. Um, the Xfinity we know is harder to drive than the, than the cup series car, even, even now with, how the next gen car is. Um, those comments um, for outsiders probably a little bit questionable. Um, not 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 necessarily detrimental to stock car racing, but 
Um, right. Those comments were were not very good for the Cup Series, um, which I hope they fix that. We just need more horsepower and less downforce. To, and come on. Tiny-ass spoilers and the gigantic ones on speedways. Make speedway racing fun again like the end of the uh, Gen 6 era and the tandem era. Um, yeah. Obviously, you can't tandem with next-gen cars, but whatever. Uh, Drew mentioned um, this. Uh, Ryan Priest was my guy that I thought outperformed. Um, I I know he's a damn good race car driver. I never really thought that he was that good of a plate racer when he was driving for JTD. Um, he got third in the Daytona 500. What year was that? 2018 or 19. How many How many cars finished that race? I'm not I sure. Like 16 cars finished that race. I'm not I'm not dogging the guy, but he drove a better race than I thought he would. Um, I think he's a phenomenal race car driver. He is shown out in anything else that he's driven, but I thought that he was not as I have never thought of him as a super speedway guy. Um, so seeing him go out and be a super speedway guy for a team that honestly um is just a toss-up every week nowadays. Um, I thought that was really, really good for the longevity of his career. And I think that that, that, that team and him is going to be a good pairing going forward. Yeah. Um, I will say this. I did not like Tony Stewart in the booth this year, sucking Ryan Priest's dick every, every single time he could, because my God, dude, we really understand that those drivers are your drivers, but you don't have to talk about it. Like, come on. I mean, neutral booth. Look at Dale Jr. Well, he makes that mistake twice a year, maybe. Just stay neutral. Well, Tony only made it once this year. What do you mean he only made it once this year? <laughs> One race, he was not neutral. That was it. You don't Daytona. remember the clash? He did the same thing during the clash. He's going to do the same thing in Atlanta. All right, well, there's his two. <laughs> Three. I think. Three races. And I don't know. Every I think... time the 41 was on track in L.A., he said the same shit about how damn good he is. He's a great modified driver. He's going to be good at this short track. And on Sunday, he was like, oh, we really love having him. He seems like he's going to be a good fit. I realize he's the driver that you handpicked, Tony, and I love you to death, Tony. But the booth is not the place to be saying this stuff. Does... you got to remain neutral. I mean, are we sure that Fox gives – the guys in the booth, any amount of training or talking to beforehand whatsoever. Because like, if I go in as a car owner and Fox doesn't say, Hey, try to keep it neutral, you know, instead of saying this, maybe, and try to talk me through it. Like I'm going to go in there and I'm going to cheer for Ryan Blaney every goddamn lap. Right. We heard Matt Kenseth last year when he was in the Fontana booth say that he basically just showed up and walked up and that was it. Um, yeah. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, right. So some of that is, I would say is on Fox. Also it's, it's on Tony. Um, I get it. He's excited, right? But I, I get the frustration from you. Um, yeah. I am appalled that you guys had Ryan Priest as your 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 surprise runner. I've been trying to tell you guys all off season, man. That, that don't surprise me. That dude's gonna I, for, win for races. speedway races, man. For me, it really was. It really was. I mean, I know for a fact that he's going to be someone that is going to be a playoff contender. I am scared for my my race team at 2311 and my guy Daniel Suarez because Ryan Priest is in the field because that's another guy that they have to contend with to get into the playoffs, okay? 
I'm scared about that, but not because of the sixth super speedway races. Like this is worse for me now because now I'm like, shit, Ryan Priest is gonna be Ryan Priest is probably gonna be better than Chase Briscoe this year. Like I'm, I'm fucking scared. You, Ryan Priest is that dude. Yeah. He's he is talented enough to win forty cup. Races. I hope Matt Yost is watching because because that's his guy. That's his modified guy. And yep. we are we are we are we're Tony Stewart and the booth tonight because we are all all over Ryan Priest. Um. So what about what about guys that you thought did worse than than they should have? You know, there wasn't a ton of guys that I thought should have been up front that weren't at some point or another. Um, I. Th- the the lack of runs being able to be generated and the complete gridlock racing really inhibited some guys like Denny from really moving to the front like we normally see him all the time. Um, so I don't – it was really hard to say because I feel like every guy that I expected to be up there at some point was up there. The Loganos, Harvick was mixing yeah. it up. Um, you know, Austin Dillon, Stenhouse, you always kind of expect to see them up front at some point. I will say McDowell – is probably my biggest disappointment. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Just because I really expected him to play more of a factor, um, but I think that changes once we get to Talladega and we get a little yeah. bit more space to run. Uh, they have got to bring that wicker bill or a taller spoiler back to the next race because the speedway package with next gen cars is not fun at Daytona. It was okay at Talladega last year, and Atlanta is hot garbage i think that track would be a lot funner with with the ability to poke holes in the air like the trucks do um and for that you need the, the giant ass spoiler with the wicker bill um for me tyler reddick was the guy that i really thought was going to show out i know he's not necessarily a guy that is good on plate tracks but seeing as he has two teammates and Denny hamlin to help and Denny's car during the duels was the best car all night i really was surprised that tyler reddick wasn't up there especially with Bubba being the best of those three uh, and, and and Travis being able to come from two laps down uh, to finish, uh, well, what should have been sixth or seventh um, before Eric Amarola totaled his ass. Um, but to me, that was my biggest letdown. Obviously, he's my second favorite driver. Obviously, he drives for my favorite driver. Um, so there's bias there, but that was the biggest letdown for me as far as performance-wise because I really thought that those three Toyotas – alongside Denny Hamlin, we're going to, we're going to stomp the field. And that just didn't happen. Um, and I really wanted Denny Hamlin to win because that 50th anniversary car is bad fucking ass. That's slick. Is he running that all year just for Daytona? I think it was just for Daytona. I'm hoping not because if they don't, I want that to be the primary. I want that yeah. to be the new primary because it, it's so much better than the other car. Um, it, and it's like a throwback. It's very simplistic. Chrome mm-hmm. numbers. It looks like something straight out of, Straight out of the, the 70s. 70s. And, yeah. yeah, and it is beautiful. I love that car. Um, so we've gone through that. Um, the biggest change that we saw in this week of racing, not just in the Cup Series, all three series, is we had the Choose Cone. Um, I know I came on here and gallivanted about how this was going to be dumb. Did we think that it played too much of a factor during any of the races this week? No. Uh, asterisk. Because teams haven't figured out how to manipulate it perfectly yet. Right. Okay. So 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 you're saying that we didn't see the benefits of it happening now because teams yep. haven't done that yet. Okay. Yep. So I, 
I'll rebuttal with 2017, uh, Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern found out that stage points were the thing that you need to live by. And come 2018, everybody was getting them. So I think you're correct on that. Uh, I don't think it made nearly as big of an impact as I, th- I thought it was going to. Um, but you might be correct in, in that I was, I'm correct just three races from now, yeah. not the Daytona 500. Yeah, I think um, come summer Daytona and fall Talladega, we see it play a lot different role. I think RCR was really a guinea pig mm-hmm. as far as how to split the lanes if you're going to split the lanes. Um, you know, play tracks, don't let off on the inside line because everyone behind you knows what's going to happen and they're just going to plow you through. Um, so I think teams learn if you're going to split the lanes, hold the lanes for a couple laps, um, which is the the ultimate takeaway, I, I feel like, from the choose cone at Daytona. Um, other teams, you might, you might split them up. I don't know. Teams haven't figured out quite how to manipulate it, more so in the middle of the pack than I think at the front. Yeah. Yeah, well, honestly, once you get into the middle of the pack, there's not really any reason with this current package, especially at Daytona, because it doesn't work. There's no reason to try and manipulate it, because what are you going to do? There's no runs. Um, I think at some point we're still going to see a huge chunk of the field take one line over the other and leave the other line out to dry. I still feel like that's going to come at some point. If it happens, I think it's going to be – if this rule – does anything anywhere, I think it's going to be Talladega just because yeah. that, that's that's the place that this next-gen car has actually had a racy race um, mm-hmm. in regards to the speedways um, because the other two tracks, there's just no way there's to no pass room. anything. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Um, but let's see it. Uh, I mean, we've been basically talking about the racing overall um, so far, but if you were to grade this race, uh, what would you give it? Mm. Probably a B minus, maybe a C plus even. Okay. Um, I feel like if we didn't have the gridlock issues that we had, it would have been a lot better. It also would have been a lot more calamity involved. Because um, these cars, there was a lot of laps that they were just looking for a place to wreck. Yeah. Well, I mean, handling is a bigger factor with these cars, but – they're wider too. So you can't really do any more passing than right. you could um, before we got the big ass spoilers in the gen six car. It reminded me a lot of the three wide racing we got from 2015 to 2018 with the gen six car. We were just going too wide. Those races were boring to me. This, this, these races are boring to me until we get a package where you can have slingshot runs. It's going to be boring. And I mean, bump drafting does nothing. Um, because you you can see drivers go straight back down the back straightaway, get five to eight mile an hour faster than the rest of the pack in the lead, and then they just get sucked right back up by the time you get to the exit of turn four. Um, so I'm gonna actually agree with Drew Mason on this one. C minus. Um, uh, well, uh, C minus for a NASCAR race, A for a super speedway race. I, I fucking I don't give any credit when it comes to super speedway racing. Um, you guys have heard me since the the very beginning of this, uh, very beginning of this, despite the fact that Denny Hamlin and his race means a lot to me, I don't particularly like speedway racing. So, eh. I'm I, I'm moving in that same direction too. Like I think after the last few years, at least the last year in the next gen, and then this last weekend, um, I'm 
I'm kind of getting worn out on super speedway racing. Yeah. Um, it used to be so, my absolute favorite. I used to count down the days. And now I'm I'm telling people at work like the real NASCAR season starts this weekend. Yeah. And it's funny because they're the most popular because they we've had this conversation before. It's the small brain racing mm-hmm. that the small brain fans love. And the more technical and the more serious and the more passionate you get about the sport, the less you you like it. Uh, even guys like Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano and Brad Kozlowski, who are fucking great at this racing, don't like it. Um, so that's yeah. that's to me. I mean, that's 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 where I do it. It's it's fun. It's entertaining. Uh, but you know, just because something's entertaining doesn't mean that I like it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the fast <laughs> Fast and the Furious movies after after the fifth one are entertaining, but they're not very good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, I mean, um, I, I've never seen that, one of those, by the way. Uh, we'll, we'll have to rectify that. Um, sure. Oh, and if anybody doesn't know, we've had this discussion before on some of our wide open nights. Uh, Colton, Jared, and Nathan are not movie guys. I don't get it because uh, I'm a big I'm a big movie guy. So that is what it is. But that's a different conversation for a different day. On the fact about being worn out and disappointed, we got another Daytona 500 plus this weekend. We got. Two or two races uh, that went into overtime, that went into caution over overtime and ended the caution. I need to know from you that I'm not the only one that thinks that we should abolish overtime. And and Pete Pistoni or Parker Kligerman, somebody put it on Twitter, said uh, said something about. Um, Everybody complaining that we ended under caution, and now everybody's complaining that we uh, end under overtime. Um, so I tweeted whoever it was back, and I said, um, I've been here since the start. Fuck green white checkers. I hated it since the inception. Um, are, are you on my end of the towel now in, in, in hating this concept? I like them at not super speedway races. Um, at at Bristol, at, at and Martinsville, I will say throw throw Martinsville in with that one. Um, at Vegas or Kansas or Homestead, I think a green white checkered is awesome. Um, but I am not a fan because this race is ending under caution anyway, right? right. Now we're just changing it from um, let's ride out these last couple laps to let's go take a bullshit camera angle and try to figure out who won the exact second that Doug in the booth pressed the button. Um, no, I, I cannot stand it anymore. Um, and then not only that, but we just get just, it's, it's just chaos. Nothing good has ever come out of a super speedway overtime or a green white checkered never. And we get preached at that. We got to save these team monies. We're not going to do practice. We're not going to do qualifying for two years. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. We're going to seal motors. We're going to do this. You're going to only have seven chassis that you can use. But you know what? When it comes down to the wire at a 500-mile event at Daytona or Talladega or a 400-mile event at Daytona or Atlanta, you're going to keep going until we think we've got enough footage to sell tickets for next time. Yeah. Fuck you and your your, uh, budget because, uh, you know, Dale Jr. complained about coming home with – 
one and a half million dollars worth of scrap. And that's at the Xfinity level. These cup cars yeah. are more expensive. Come on, I can't do it. And then they have the third camp where if we're going to do this shit, we're going to do it right. I am full team chaos on this one. I want super speedways with with the ARCA rule to end under green no matter what. That means if we get a white flag crash, we rack them up and retry it again. I will say this. That was from our our basically our other our text based host, <laughs> Drew Mason, uh, our our biggest fan. I have to say, who we appreciate so much. Um, I mean, I'm I'm kind of for it. If we're gonna do it, do it all the fucking way. Yeah. I, and see, I'm the other way of not wreck any more cars. Just run the schedule distance, the advertise distance. First one to 500 that. miles I mean, gets, gets it done. Yeah, that's. I me. would much Kyle rather one. I mean, right. I to me, it feels like if I go out to a restaurant and I'm unsatisfied with my food, um, and I leave there just being like, yeah, the the meat wasn't that good or what, well, it was all right. Um, that's kind of like a, a ending under caution for me, right? It's yeah. like, ah, damn it, you know, oh well, shucks, we'll get them next time. Kyle Bush won it. That's cool. Um, but when we start racking up these overtimes and just ending it under the camera angles and trying to figure out the caution winner, um, to me, that's like the restaurant trying to to write the order and try to make you feel better. And then the waitress just yeah. dumping the fucking food on you. Like yeah. it ruins my experience. And yeah, and I that's a perfect example. And for me, um, I want we'll talk about the Rex. Um in a second, but I feel like the wrecks here, especially with the next gen car, when the guys don't have parts and when these wrecks are violent as hell, I don't see the point. I don't see the point in trying to get somebody else hurt just to have an exciting finish. I'm satisfied. That race, that race was the best race that we've had in a next gen super speedway. And it got tainted because we didn't end at 500 miles because we went 500 and hold on, let me do the math because we did 212 laps. I can't do that off the top of my head. 2.5 times 12. We went 230 miles. Um, those extra 30 miles was like dumping the salt shaker into your onto your food and the head coming off. Mm-hmm. A little salt's good, but that much just ruined my plate. Yeah. Um, yeah, and man, it just hugely sour taste in my mouth after that. Um Salty taste, if you will. Um, but man, I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a, not a fan. And that might be part of my dislike for super speedway racing um, is that I know at the end, almost no matter what, we're still going to have a shit show come the last two, three laps. Like I almost don't know why we run 200 laps the Daytona 500 anymore. Let's just run 30 laps. Um, Cause now you're screwing these teams at a strategy, right? Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon, they had it perfectly aligned. Same with Brad Keselowski and Chris Buescher. Their strategy worked out perfect until that last caution came out. And then we ran an extra 30 miles and guys were running out of gas. Um, You just throw so many monkey wrenches in the plan that it's not, it's not worth it anymore. It's just the same. It's the same thing as the playoffs to me. It just, it somewhat illegitimizes it, not taken away from the eventual winner, but I mean, that is what it is. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the wrecks, though. There were there were two, three really that were 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 scary to me. First off and for, foremost, Kyle Larson's wreck was eerily similar to Dale Earnhardt's wreck that killed him. If if we don't have if we don't have a Hans device, if if 
if he hits on the rear end, I'm I'm scared. That was the scariest crash I've seen at a speedway that didn't involve a flip in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was a gnarly one. Um, and then shout out to Fox for not fucking updating us on that. We had to go to Twitter to yeah. find out that he was all right. Um, because yeah, that one was violent. And then in the same one, Brad had a massive hit just like it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, they didn't update us on that. And then Denny Hamlin, he hits the wall and what the fuck exploded? You saw it once from the yeah. helicopter shot. They never did a replay, and and then you sent us a, a picture you got off of Twitter. Yep. What happened? And it didn't look like a normal fuel tank or an oil line explosion. It looked right? like an electric electric a blue, explosion. A blue yeah. tinge to it. It looked like a big shockwave going through. Like I've seen a transformer blow it, and it looked like a transformer blew. Yep. Still no what word. What the hell that was word. that? Yep. Still oh, no word. Oh. Well, I have to get some digging done because that was intense. It was kind of scary. They only showed it once, but it just looked like he smacked the wall. And I don't know. I don't know what the floors are made out of, but I know that magnesium on the bottom of the Formula One cars gives it kind of a silvery uh, instead mm-hmm. of an orange glow when they bottom out at night. So I don't know if it's maybe something, something like that where just whatever chemical blew yeah. up. That, that it was just that color or whatever, but I mean, it was scary. And then for me, the scariest wreck of the night, which we only got one replay of, was the one between Michael McDowell and uh, Chase Briscoe. Chase Briscoe hit him at at least 40 mile an hour over the speed that, that Michael McDowell was doing. I don't know what happened, but Jesus Christ, when they when they showed us the, the onboard camera and the new little um, cam, uh, helmet cams that they have, I don't know how Michael McDowell survived that with the rear end issues that we've had on this mm-hmm. car. That yeah. scared the living shit out of me when I saw it. Yeah, that was another violent one. Um, yeah, to be honest, I'm done with the bad wrecks. Could we, yeah. after Chili Bowl and after after this, like, can we just not have a wreck in NASCAR for like three weeks and just yeah, <laughs> just settle down for a little while? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, Scary. I'm worried going into Fontana because Ross had that nasty crash in practice last yeah. year. I don't know if you remember. Um, I'm sure you do, but our viewers might not. He was in practice coming out of turn three where everyone was slipping and sliding. Um, and instead of sliding to the infield like everyone else did that weekend, he overcorrected and smacked the wall head on. And then not yeah. only that, took him a while to get out of the car, um, declined to interview anyone after getting out of the care center, like was pretty visibly shooken up by it. I feel like that's not going to happen just solely based off of the fact that um, we, we've we had a year with this car. That was the first time. We know what the tire issues are. We we subjected the, the tires to everything last year, and we haven't had any issues since probably, what, uh, the All-Star race at Texas? We hadn't had any issues yeah. since then, so we should be good. So we shouldn't see any D-Lambs this weekend. The, um, I wouldn't be surprised cost. if we do. The cause isn't really my my big concern. It's the fact that we're running at Fontana with flat corners, um, and still cooking a buck ninety. Well, you apparently know. we were going to have new tires as well. Uh, Drew says so. Um, um, I don't we see should Daytona be fun- as a back end kind of track where you wreck. Yeah, but Fontana definitely is. Definitely is. Well, the rest of the races on the schedule definitely are. Right. Uh, I mean, so that's just something that we have to do. The new, the new, the rear end clip. It, it, I hope it does its job because I don't want to see another Kurt Busch happen. Um, 
But Byron's did fold when he wrecked. His did crumple in quite a bit. Yeah, you're right. Um, I had to, I had to remember there was so much shit that went on that race, and I was enraged most of it. Um, speaking of the enragement, speaking of uh, brought to you, uh, which is our stuff. We'll uh, we're gonna get into the Fox broadcast, uh, but first, um, I do want to say uh, our partner uh, brother, or I guess our brother in arms. Uh, over there at LTC, um, they have had a loss in one of the families over there, um, and I do want to take a moment to say, uh, please have your thoughts with the whole crew over there. Um, they are not doing anything this week. Uh, it could be another couple weeks before they get back going. Um, uh, they've had they've had a, a family event that's happened that's pretty shaken up uh, the whole crew. So we wanted to reach out and say that uh, we're thinking of them. Uh, and uh, if you guys could go give them some support as well, um, just tell them, you know, that they're thinking of them, uh, uh, that you're thinking of them. Uh, we would very much appreciate that. Um, and with that being said, let's get into the Fox broadcast because now it's about to get ugly. Um, Colton, um, go first <laughs> because Alex Rance is about to return harder than it has probably ever. So on the commercial side, I get it. I saw Mike Joyce tweets afterward. They're trying to front load the commercials so that towards the end of the race, we can have more green flag laps. Um, we all see in the chart that was floating around on Twitter. It's roughly the same amount of percentage of race we've always missed. Um, I will say this but about that. Jake from uh, GP Laps on YouTube and Twitter, he did that. He only included 2011, 2001, and, and, and the 2023 race. I think the subset that he watched and went through, realistically, watching from 2001 to 2023, um, is is not viable in the time span right. between the Daytona 500 and when he made this tweet. That subset, just coincidentally being the same, doesn't necessarily make the point that you can say, oh, see, this is not a new issue. Right. I want to see the stats from 2002 when NBC ran it. I want to see the stats mm -hmm. from five years ago, from 10 years ago, 15, a couple other different variables, right? What about CBS prior to 2001 when they were airing it? Because they were also airing it over the, over sure. the air. Yeah. Um, this kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. So um, I get it. They're front-loading commercials. Point being, this is 2023. Fox is making more money than ever off their TV broadcast. We know this because each year it seems like they have record-breaking profits. Um this is the biggest race of the year, and we missed 78 laps. We missed 200 miles of the Daytona 500. We missed 40% of the goddamn race. Um, yep. I don't want to hear a, oh, we only missed this many green flag laps. Fuck it. I don't want to miss any green flag laps. The whole, when we were, they came out with a stage idea, a big talking point was that, hey, this is going to help mitigate some green flag commercials because we're going to be able to stuff way more commercials in this long caution break right here. And these two long caution breaks, um, not only that, we're at super speedway racing. Nine times out of ten, we're going to have an ass ton of cautions, right? It happens. Yeah. Plan all your commercials for that. If it goes green, sorry, Coke Zero, we don't get to play your commercials 61 goddamn times. Right, and it's not like we're the Super Bowl where every commercial is different, right? If that was the case, that's the case, right? I get it. Right. The Super Bowl has no repeat commercials from the time that it starts to the time that it folds. We have the same fucking commercials every time. Some of those are even NASCAR commercials. Why are you broadcasting yeah. 
commercials for yourself to watch the race if I can't watch the race because you're broadcasting a commercial during the race. Stop it. Yep. Here's the thing. Going back to that graph that, that Jake put up, 11 commercials during green flag laps or whatever, whatever the hell it was. The fact that you just pointed out stage racing was supposed to mitigate this and it didn't, that that is a big deal. That is a massive deal. We didn't see any more green flag racing, even though that was the point of doing this way back in 2017. We had commercials during the race to show segments of the race. I think that was a brilliant idea if that's what we were doing during green flag racing. Wendy's, Toyota, I love that. But we still had to see one of your commercials during those those segments. That Pete Pistoni, um, we had a, we had an argument on Twitter about this stuff. He was like, "Well, what do you want to do? It's the biggest uh, it's the biggest show of the year. The most audience. This is the you know where they're going to make the most of their money." I said, "Well, I don't know. I watch so many racing series that here we go. Um, we've got a cautions, b stage breaks, c side by side." like the Indy 500 did last year for every single commercial, unless it was under caution. Um, we've got these new these new ad breaks during the race where you get a 20-lap segment sponsored by X or whatever, which I think, again, is a brilliant idea. You have got so much space around the perimeter. You've got ads. Uh, let me get this right. You've got ads here on your banner where you've got your um, standings. Mm-hmm. You've got all this space here where your ads are running because you got in-car cameras and everything is sponsored by something. Well, guess what? You got you got this section over here and you got the head section. Ads all over the place. I don't care. That as long as I can see the racing. Put ads all across the screen every single time. The local short track, they have in these big races, they've got lap sponsors. There might be a 300 lap race over in Florence and they'll have laps 1 through 10 sponsored by WVKFM Four nine hundred, three thousand, whatever the hell the radio station is. The next one's the local news. The next one it's mom and pop shop. The next one it's local Burger King, whatever. And it's you know laps one through ten, eleven through twenty. Why are we not doing that with banners all four sides of the screen? Secondly, we have the ability to put digital advertisements in the grass, digital advertisements on the pavement, off off the track, and digital billboards all the way around the track. They do that in Formula One. They do that in IndyCar. You guys used to do that. They do that Supercross. They put that shit on the fucking track in Supercross. Come on. We have the technology. We do not. We get fed ads so fucking much in the American society. And you get paid so much to put ads on. Just do it during the broadcast. There's no excuse for us to miss any single green flag lap. We missed green flag pit stops where the two packs came back together. We missed that. We missed wrecks and we missed lead changes. We missed the leader getting taken out and had to go to a replay to figure out, one, that Bubba Wallace was in a wreck, two, that Bubba Wallace was even the fucking leader at that point. Yeah. What is McDonald's paying for? Because right. McDonald's put that car on a, on a track for $1.5 million. McDonald's didn't even get airtime while that car was in the fucking lead, except for a replay because he went to the wall. I will. I did bring this up on Twitter. If I am a team and I'm watching any broadcast in NASCAR, I am pissed and I am shaking because there's no reason that a sponsor would want to sign onto my car for, let's say, a million a race, right? Let's mm-hmm. 20 million is a year. Let's say ballpark at a million dollars a race. Um, as a business owner, 
why would I spend a million dollars to sponsor this car where I might get a couple tweets? And if the paint scheme looks absolutely fine, um, maybe a couple people are up in arms about that. Right. Um, other than that, you're not getting exposure um, unless you're at some mile and a half where they're just going to show the leader kick rocks on everyone. Right. Why would I pay to put my name on a car when I can just pay a million dollars and get 40 fucking commercial slots, however many they get, maybe it's 10. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's got to be cheaper than paying for a goddamn race car. Um, right. And I'm, I'm not mad about ads. Like you said, as American people, we have ads everywhere. We have ads literally 24 seven. I think the last stat was like the average Americans hears or sees roughly 1500 ads a day. I'm used to it. Right. I can tune out the ads if I want to. Um, what I can't tune out is the fact that I'm missing 40% of the Daytona 500. Right. Yeah. Um, I do want to bring up Drew's take here. He says, if I'm going to be subjected to 35% of my race being sacrificed to the commercial gods, then I want that money going to my teams and I want them to have enough money to be relevant, um, to pay my drivers. This is a cultural problem for, uh, business owners for advertising and for, Drivers getting paid well, putting talent, actual talent on the track when it comes to uh, car owners. This is a trifecta of a problem, and it leads just from this one area, the generational shift from whatever was happening mid-2000s to whatever's happening now in who these drivers are on the off days has just ruined all of this. Sponsors used to be able to rely on their driver going to grocery stores to do events. They used to rely on them going out and into, and this could have a lot to do with COVID, honestly, going out into um, the midway and being at different places every time. We've gotten some of that back, but a 15-minute um, Q&A with Eric Almirola uh, or, uh, compared to having Trackside Live and and all this other stuff where they were out there for autographs and not just a Q&A uh, to a crowd where, where you could meet these drivers is, is, is tanking the resources. But also, like I said, going to grocery stores and stuff, we're not – the drivers aren't accessible, so the sponsorship is not getting that part of the money. As well as what you said is they're not showing the races how they should have. Back in the day, you watch ESPN, you watch TNN, you watch TNT, uh, you watch NBC and CBS prior to this most recent contract. If Martin Truex Jr. is running away with the field, they're going to show 15th and 16th having a battle. They're going to show this mm-hmm. having a battle. But Fox, in, and, and to some degree, NBC doesn't do that anymore, and they will just hammer down that Martin Truex Jr. is in the lead, and, and he's going to lead 360 laps at the Coke 600 or whatever. And they're just going to show that. So – Activation's not there. Screen time's not there. And because screen time and activation aren't there, fans aren't in the stands, why would I want to put my money to these guys if this can't happen? And what Drew's saying is, if we're getting that money on TV and the TV money's going to NASCAR, why the hell is NASCAR complaining that the teams want more money? Because they can't sell sponsorship because of NASCAR not putting their foot down and getting the broadcast straight, getting the drivers to activations and, um, and, and ultimately um, putting butts in seats. Yeah. 
Yeah, the reason I keep hearing a lot, and you hear it from, I bring it up again, Brett Griffin, right? He's big on, well, we lost sponsorship due to the recession in 08, which we did. You can't deny that, right? But the reason we don't, we are losing the companies like Lowe's, we're losing companies like, you know, Home Depot shied away, um, isn't because they ran out of money for the recession. All these guys just went to the NFL where they can get activation, where they can get, um, you know, their stars in commercials and in stores and doing all this yep. other promo shit. NASCAR doesn't have that. Um, and have we to- led the pack with this. The re- right. I think the reason that we we rode the wave of the 90s so hard up to 2006 at our peak is because we were doing this shit right. right. The car tomorrow and the recession kind of ruined everything for it because change is uh, not good for these small brain fans. Um, and then, and then obviously the skyrocketing cost happened when we went to the car tomorrow and the, the 2008, um, housing market crash that, that makes sense. But if you're chopping 10% off the top, why is everybody else losing? Right. You know, 80%. That's, that's what I feel like is happening. And when the race teams can get all that stuff back, like, like Drew says, we can put more money into the cars and with more money into the cars, we can pay more drivers rather than relying them to pay. And that means we get more talent on the track. Bubba Pollard could be a cup series driver going for championships, but instead he's making more money because he doesn't have to spend money to be in a cup car. He's making more money in a short track scene. And that is laughable (laughs) in my opinion, comparing it to NASCAR. Denny has talked about it on his podcast um, that, you know, NASCAR is really trying to make a new deal and they're trying to get, find a middle ground between the teams because the teams want X much more percent. I forget what the dollar was. I think it was like 7 million bucks or 4 million bucks a year, right? Or per race, whatever it was. Um, And he hinted at the fact that NASCAR really needs to get that worked out with the teams before they work out any broadcast deal, which I think is more than fair. If the teams are the ones making the goddamn money, um, bringing the eyes to the sport, you need to pay them out so that they can get and do what they want and what they need to make the whole thing grow. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, that's honestly a, a, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's relatively funny because when you, when you look at the state of America right now, everybody's complaining because they don't make enough money because we don't get paid enough. And all these big tech companies and all these other guys are having to lay off other people because they're not making as much money. Uh, air quotes. Yep. Um, but, but if we had more money, we could spend more money, which right. is, is the exact situation that teams are in. Yeah. Um, so there's just, there's big problems all around and it's just exacerbated by the fact of we missed 40% of the Daytona 500. Um, I want to keep in mind for those that look at that chart, that chart includes the overtime, right? Which they didn't have in 2001. So when you see that 35%, you need to cut out that last commercial that was past lap 200 mm-hmm. yep. and roll that back and say, okay, we actually missed 78 laps or 76 laps of a 200 lap race. Um, it's we're not sticking ball sports. We can't take a TV timeout, right? But we can sure as hell extend the caution five minutes so people can go get more beers in the stands. Yeah. And so that we can cram in as much commercials as we can. And all right, here's yeah. 30 minutes without commercials. I know it's a little bit more complicated than that, but it's it's really it's really ridiculous when it's two really armchair not. guys when when two armchair guys can sit here and fix the damn sport every single week from all these g- genuinely different episodes it's like or plays and i'm like come on what are you doing yeah um, and I, i've been in roles where i look at at payroll i look at sales numbers and shit all the time if y'all give nascar if you give me the marketing numbers 
and you give several other people the marketing numbers and say, okay, just think of a solution. We can figure something out. There's guys way smarter than I am that can figure something out, but y'all aren't listening to them because you'd rather listen to the Fox or the whomever CEOs over that because they got so much goddamn leverage with this last TV deal, yeah. um, which is ugh, frustrating. And, spe and, and speaking of that, let's move on from the ads. Let's move on to the broadcast quality. Fox was the Fox was the guys that I used to love to watch, man. Right. Um, they they did the things right, but now like we're one race in. Well, technically two races in. We're two races into the season, and I can't even wait for the NBC to get back because even though they have some of the same problems, their broadcast quality is so much better. They listen to the guys in the booth. They listen to the guys on pit road. They listen to the guys on the peacock pit box. If there's something that Dale Jr. wants to see on the racetrack, we see it. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if it's because there's no experience in the booth because you have Mike Joy and that's it, uh, and you've got a sideline Larry McReynolds and 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 a fairly new pit pit road crew with Regan Smith and Josh Sims. Um, like I don't know if it's because of that, but but I mean the producing sucks, the editing sucks, everything is just garbage compared to what we were used to in, in the early days of Fox, all the way up to I would say probably 2013. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, I used to, when I was watching NASCAR races 15 years ago, um, we used to get to the last Fox broadcast and I would go, ah, damn it. Now I got to wait all the way till Daytona to see a Fox broadcast yeah. because now they got TNT. The <laughs> yeah. And now I got fucking, and now watching Fox, I'm like, man, I'd rather have TNT run this shit. Um, yeah. when, like you said, we have a problem when Mike Joy is the most professional person on the broadcast. Not that Regan Smith isn't. Um, Clint Boyer isn't, and I'll go on a Clint rant here in a minute. Um, we have rotating guests that they might provide a little insight for five laps. And then other than that, they're just hanging out with Clint and Mike. Um, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear guys hanging out in the booth. I don't want to hear, and I'm sorry, I'm going to take a jab. Mike Joy is, he is sunsetting really hard. Yeah. Um, I do not care Mike Joy. What a 1963 Cutlass nose looked like because some dude put his wang in a headlight mold. I don't care who the mechanic was on Richard Petty's, you know, fucking grocery getter at the house in 1956. Bring stuff that's relevant. I yeah, do well, not. Okay, care. so here's the thing: they don't have practice, so he can't warm up. Um, fair, right? Fair. So. And, and and realistically, he's making a lot of mistakes with what's going out on track. And he's made a lot of mistakes in the two weeks that we've had, calling drivers by the wrong names, saying saying different sponsors, different laps and everything, car numbers. We can't rely on Mike Joy anymore. He he is he is he is a golden he's the gold standard when it comes to broadcasting, but he's not matching what he can. Like you said, he's sunsetting. It's very disappointing to see. It's sad to see, but we don't have someone that is as good as him. Maybe Adam Alexander is, and I'm just not giving him enough credit. But we need somebody in that booth who who can take over and be a more assertive. Because that's one thing that Mike Joy has never been, and that's assertive. Yeah. Um, because somebody's got to take control of what's going on and tell the fucking producer that he's shit. I think that's a, a, a huge thing is in early days of Fox, Mike Joy was kind of leading, but you also had, and I'm going to put DW out of this because he was always kind of on his own planet. Um, 
But you always had you Mike Joy feeding, and Larry Mack would always feed into Mike Joy, and they would yeah. trade, you know, calling calling out play by play. Um, you don't have that. Um, I would love. You don't have Jeff Hammond down there analyzing shit and telling the the producer, "Hey, this battle's going on. Hey, this that's right. going on." You don't have that. You don't yeah. have anybody. Everyone is so young in their careers on Fox's team, other than Mike Joy, that they don't have anybody that's there that that knows exactly what's going on. You have Jamie Little, and she is phenomenal pit reporter. But that's it. And right. she's a woman. She's not going to be taken seriously by whoever the douchebag is that's in the in the trailer because he's come from football and he knows what he's he's got to do because the fans want to see on boards and 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 fucking uh close up shots, right? Yeah. But like uh, Mike Joy's not gonna step up and say anything because he just never has been that guy. Right. And she's not gonna be taken seriously. So I mean, the rest of the crew is just what? – what is it? What is it? Yeah, I think I would love – and I like Mike Joy. I, I love a lot of his calls, right? Like we said, he's not as assertive. I would love for Mike Joy to start a podcast where he just info dumps everything he can. I would listen yeah. to that nonstop. I don't want to hear it on my goddamn broadcast. Mike Joy right now is reminding me of 2015 DW – Right, like you said, he'd call out the wrong driver and then not even catch the mistake. He'd call out the wrong lap, the wrong sponsor, not even catch that he's doing it. Um, I know he was is- kind of brought up by Ken Squire. Um, and hot take here: I don't think Ken Squire was very good at being a, a commentator. You bring your picks, forks, and your torches. I don't care. Um, and I feel like he's he's moving into that where we go off on tangents about nothingness. Yeah, and that's not good. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Clint rant. I don't. I do for the life of me. I do not understand how Clint Boyer is granted a third year in the booth. I do not see what Fox sees in that, other than they want a jokester up there. I do not want to hear oh, this old four ball coming out of turn four here, man. He's he's running real good. Shut the fuck up, Clint. I think uh, when you look at the NBC booth, you have. You have the color, the the excitement from Dale Jr. However, they're trying to match that with Clint, but Clint's kind of a, a buffoon. Yeah. Um, so he's not technically excited. <laughs> he's just, he's just, I mean, he doesn't do anything for anything. They treat they treat the sport like a joke, honestly. Yeah. That's that's all it comes down to. They, they think yeah. that we yeah, have to make sure that everyone knows this sport. This sport is really fun, guys. It's really entertaining. It's just so, it's so, uh, uh, you know, and it's just, it's so forced that it's not good. Just like right. with NBC, they do the same thing, but with the drama aspect of it. Right, yes. Let the sport speak for itself. Let the cars breathe. Show me what's going on. Just, just be there. Show me yeah. what's going on. Let me formulate my own opinions. Exactly. I, I don't feel like we get that anymore. Um, NBC, like you said, they get the excitement out of Dale Jr. because he is genuinely passionate for the sport. Because Dale Jr. lives, breathes by this. Um, Clint does it because Fox cuts him a check and says, here, go be funny for three hours. Yeah. Like, I don't see yeah. Clint putting in the same 
anywhere close to the same amount of work. That Does he even put effort in? Because I no. think they've joked about that on on uh, on the broadcast for like practice and stuff. That he just he just kind of shows up, right? And nobody's telling him otherwise. He, again, Fox doesn't have a leader, of, and that that's that's the problem, right? All right. Anyway, I, I said it, what I had to say about the producer. Did you have any problems other than the commercials with the onboard shots, the 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 cinematography, I guess, I, of it, the action shots, the drone or, or cam. The drone cam is what it is. I've never been a fan of it. I do not like it. I, I will bitch every time it comes up, right? Um, what I do not like is panning a camera from the action away from the action or vice versa, panning it from the action and staying on that camera. I would bet money that we've had at least five minutes of that broadcast of a bare spot on the track where nothing was mm -hmm. going on. I don't mean they just accidentally cut to the wrong camera. No. I mean, they panned like this and followed him into the turn and then stayed there for 30 seconds or 10 seconds. It feels like an eternity. Yeah. Or they'll show And then they switch, they'd switch to the next camera, and it would be on the very front nose of a Ford Mustang sticker. I was like, yeah. oh, shit, Chase Briscoe's got three clods of rubber on his front left yeah. uh, fender. And then it takes a second and a half for them to zoom out, and then by that time they're already through the corner. Like, yeah. what the hell is this? Yeah. Um, we, we did a lot of complaining about the close-up shots. They're no better this year. Um, but I would much rather take 45 different close-up shots per lap than bumper cams and unnecessary onboards. I like onboard shots. I like them when stuff's going on. I do not like to follow a guy for a lap of onboard every five to seven laps. There's two, there's two reasons for this, right? There's replays during wrecks and there's crank it up. I can deal with it for crank it up because it's cool to just go right. for like three I, minutes straight or whatever it is. That's yeah. it. Even We're if not, they're not showing me anything. I will take three if it's to prove a point about something they're discussing in the booth. If Clint, for the one time a year that he brings up a solid point, wants to say, hey, in these cars, here's what you look for. And then they cut to the onboard and show you and circle it, right? Like Larry Mack used yeah. to do. I'm fine. I do not want to see Chase Briscoe for five laps going like this. Yeah, I do not care, especially when you're gonna pixelate the goddamn shit. Yeah, and then that that that's a big one. I'm not even gonna get in that because that's stupid. Um, the cars have energy. The cars live and breathe. And when we can't see the cars, we can't see that. You can't experience the race. I'm sorry. But if I see cars going in the corner or the periphery of, of the of the camera, three cars going by, the split second that they go by in the four frames of this shitty-ass camera on board, I'm like, okay, what happened? And then all of a sudden they zoom out, and you've got the train of Toyotas passing the train of Fords on the, on, on the thing um, on the replay because they miss it on the onboard. And like, this is what you just saw riding with Chase Briscoe. You know, yeah. I, just stay out of the cars. Show me the race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's. I mean, we could we could continue complaining forever. Um, we we've, we've done about 500 miles, maybe maybe uh, 12 laps more by now. Um, so final thoughts are going to be with uh, with the winner, and then we can go ahead and wrap it up. Um, I think this is good for JTG Doherty. That I'm is exactly to... what I said in our group chat. I said, <laughs> I am so possible. excited for Brad Doherty. 
because him. he finally got a 500 win and he's been here and he's been here longer than Mr. Michael Jordan. And I want to point game. out that the whole, I started calling him Recky Spinhouse or Ricky. What you've all heard my nicknames for him. The super speedway Rex really started after Ricky got that win at Daytona. Mm-hmm. The second career win. That's when he started getting balls way too big for his own mind and making dumb moves and dumb blocks and wrecking fields. I think that come Atlanta and come Talladega, Ricky Stenhouse is going to cause at least one massive wreck by being stupid. He is more mature now, so I don't know. No, I don't. I still think he's a fly by the seat of his pants. He knows what kind of situation him and his team are in. He's going to be desperate. He's got confidence now. Danger. That's not that's not a good look. Okay. I'm gonna have to go the opposite. I think we're at a, 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 a bigger part of his career now. And we were even thinking, uh uh I mean you said it yourself that you think that that with Sonny D going over to to Kevin Harvick that they might be closing that forty seven car down and Ricky being the guy in the four car. That was something that you said prior prior yep. to the five hundred. Yep. Um this does good for the bank account. This does good for them moving forward, continuing to be a, a spot on uh, NASCAR's field. Um, but I think that personally, this was bound to happen. And I, can, I can't be mad that it was Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Because when you say the top five speedway drivers are Hamlin, Wallace, uh, Blaney, Logano, and Keselowski, Who's your number six? It's Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Bullshit. I mean, I mean it is. Realistically, Bullshit. if you didn't hate his guts, it would be. You're biased. Shut the hell up. No, definitely not Austin Dillon. Um, uh, so I, I think I think this was this was bound to happen. It just it, I didn't expect it to be this weekend. Right. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for Brad Doherty moving forward. Yeah, me too. And it's gonna I be really a shot down for that team. That is that is really because his passion has been with the sport forever. He's been a great broadcaster, a great team owner. I'm glad that he finally got something other than just Marcus Ambrose winning at, at a road course. This is AJ Allmendinger. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, AJ Allmendinger at a road course. Um, I'm glad to I'm glad to see that 47 in victory lane. Um, yeah, I could care less about I could care less about Ricky Stenhouse Jr. <laughs> He's just been neutral for me since the inception of his career. So. Uh, I don't know. He's from yeah. Mississippi. Mississippi's not that great. Kind of the butthole of the country. Yeah. So or stay yeah. in the nation. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Brett Farr's. Oh, hey, hey, they they got a they got a five hundred win now though. They <sighs> got that going for him. Oh yeah, that about wraps it up. Um I think we both agreed that, that overtime tainted this, but not necessarily for the winner itself. Right. Um but I mean, I don't know. We could have had a we could have had a 1998 situation like uh, we heard from Kyle Busch multiple multiple times, um, and I honestly think that seeing him win with RCR in the first points race would have been phenomenal. And yep. as 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 bad as JGR has treated their drivers in the past, other than um, his godchild Denny Hamlin, um, yeah, I think I would have laughed my ass off. We could have had. The most emotional Kyle Bush interview ever had he won that. 
Yeah. If we had just ended under caution, this would have went down as one of the top three greatest Daytona 500s yep. in, 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 in history. In, in but, history, yeah. Yeah. But, but didn't. Oh well, so, such is life. Well, that's NASCAR for you. All right. Well, I'll go. I'll, I'll ask you this, though. Is there anything that we need to say uh, going forward? I mean, other than we got Auto Club coming up. So last time yeah. on the two mile track. I think, well, we can do our whole opinions on the reconfiguration next week when we do our Auto Club recap. Yeah. Um, and I think an Auto Club preview would just be kind of like beating a dead horse because we don't know who's what yet. We'd just be bringing up names from late last season. Uh, yeah. right. Everyone else thinks. Um, I will say, watch out for Eric Jones this weekend. He was really strong there last year. Absolutely. He is Absolutely. damn good at the sandpaper tracks that wear out tires. Our fan field picks are coming for that. You'll see who, who we all had. Um, names like Chastain, uh, Larson, Reddick. Uh, of course, like you just said, Jones. Those guys are, are ready hey. to go. Um, next week, um, I'm hoping somebody joins you, Colton. And it's not just the Cranmore show. Uh, but in two weeks, uh, we'll be doing a tape delay uh, interview with an NHRA mechanic, uh, an ex-NHRA mechanic. Uh, their season starts on Thursday the 9th. Um, I don't know where. I think it's in Gainesville in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm going to learn a lot because I don't really give a shit about straight racing. Uh, so we're going to learn a lot, and that's going to be fun. But we hope to see you the next two weeks uh, talking about Auto Club and then the NHRA opening weekend uh so that'll be coming out on wednesday the 8th i'll be going to mexico again so yay wedding planning almost over i'm looking forward to that um so i can't wait for 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 all that to happen i hope you guys have a good weekend um follow us as always on twitter facebook um i almost said myspace like we have one of those tiktok and instagram (laughs) at fan fuel msm capital f capital f capital msm uh, check us out on the web at www.fanfuelmotorsports.com and head over to Facebook at, at Pick 4 Fantasy Series, capital P, number 4, capital F, capital S. That's the first time I did that, so that was a little bit of a tongue twister. Uh, come play Fantasy NASCAR with us. Uh, only 12 people came out for the Daytona 500, but you'll get 85% of last place points, and you can race the rest of the year. Come do that with us, please. It's really fun. Other than that, it's been a good show, Colton. Nice to talk to you again after the Daytona 500. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. All right. Bye.